the Oscar goes and to. And the Oscar goes and the Oscar to. Goes to. My only object in being here is to try and get at the truth. What shall I go? What shall I do? He's looking at you, kid. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I could have been a contender. Fasten your seat. I could have been somebody. They can only kill me with a golden bullet. What have I done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. I'm gonna make him an offer. Oh, really? Love is is Love. too weak a word. Stay back. I, I know you. I know I love you. I, I love you. I did as you said. Don't lie. If there's something wrong, it's wrong with the instructions. This ain't reality TV! Respect it and validate it. Remember that you told me? It's time, Robbie! Welcome to the Next Best Picture Podcast. And the Oscar goes to Green Book. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 157 of the Next Best Picture Podcast. I am your host, Matt Naglia. Time of recording, 11.15 a.m. on August 25th, 2019. We are on the verge. The beginning. In three days. August 28th. Venice Film Festival kicking off phase one of the fall film award season of 2019 with Telluride to follow right after, with TIFF to come and an NYFF. Can you feel the excitement in the air, people? Can you feel it? Here to help me feel it, I have Michael Schwartz. I'm feeling it. Hello, everyone. Casey Lee Clark. It's happening. Dan Baer. I'm excited. And Cody Derricks. I feel it. Yeah, don't you feel it? Oh my God. Guys, this is what we've been waiting for all year, obviously. It's that time of the year where the excitement is high. We have a lot of movies that we don't know a lot about yet. Some that have already premiered at earlier film festivals that will be uh, screening again for people, like such as The Report, which we have a trailer to discuss this week that we'll get to later on in the show. And we all love each other right now, and we're not disagreeing, and we're not trying to, you know, sabotage and kill one another at the moment. So isn't life great? <laughs> it's so optimism right now. It feels nice. Mm, cherish it. Yep. Seriously. It'll be gone very soon. Absolutely. <laughs> the question on everybody's mind, I think, right now is what is going to be the film that is going to divide a film Twitter? Because there's always one every single year. I don't know at this at this stage. I really don't know. All I know is that on paper, I'm looking forward to every single movie and even the ones that, you know, quite honestly, like I've kind of like written off like the Goldfinch, for example. Uh, you know, there's still excitement there. Roger Deakins cinematography, the stars, things of that nature. I mean, Dan, you're going to get a chance. Uh, you're going to tip for us this year. So you're going to get a chance to see a lot of these movies firsthand. Yep. And I'm really, really excited about it. The this schedule still feels like it's in flux because there are so many movies. But yeah, the the big ones are not going to change and I'm really excited to see and report back for everybody. Absolutely. So other things that we're going to be going over on this week's episode is we're going to be going over the trailers for Marriage Story. Uh, we're going to be going over the trailers for Marvelous Brooklyn, Bombshell. We're going to answer some fan questions. We're going to play a little game at the end of the show, uh, which will be a bit of a plug. First time, I think, that we've ever done a plug on the show. So stay tuned for that. And we're also going to talk, obviously, about the Fall Film Festivals, what we're most excited for. But let's start off with the, with the present right now. What did everyone see this week? I passed it off to Michael first. What did you catch up on in the cinema? So I caught up with two movies in the theater this week. Unfortunately, I was not huge fans of them, although they both do have redeeming qualities. Uh, I'll start with the first one, and that was loose which i know a lot of people here really love i didn't dislike it i think i just maybe had really high expectations after hearing everybody react it's very well acted octavia spencer naomi watts kelvin harrison they're all 
outstanding. I just didn't feel like the movie really came together for me by the end, but uh, still worth checking out for the performances. That was the first one. And then the other thing I saw was Where Do You Go Bernadette, which I thought had a terrific first hour. I really loved what Kate Blanchett was doing, and I liked Kristen Wiig and the uh, vibe that the movie was taking. And then the last half hour, 45 minutes, it sort of didn't go off the deep end, but it just sort of went in a different direction and lost some of the momentum. But my God, Kate Blanchett is just fantastic. So two movies sort of eh, in terms of the films themselves, but great performances and worth checking out. There's never a time where Kate Blanchett has ever phoned it in. I don't think like ever. <laughs> She's just incredible. Absolutely incredible. Casey, let's pass it off to you. What did you see this week? Well, I just realized I didn't go to a movie theater this week. Uh, whoops. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> I watched a bunch of stuff at home, so it factors out. I rewatched Carol, which we have a podcast review coming soon. Can't wait. I, I'd only seen it once in the theater, but it somehow got even better upon repeat viewing and whatnot, and so that was great. And I think that's the biggest one that I've watched slash rewatched this week that's relevant to what we're talking about, but I'm excited for what's to come. Absolutely. Cody, what about you? So I saw a few things real fast. I saw Honeyland, which is this amazing tiny documentary about a Macedonian beekeeper, which if that sounds niche, it is shockingly universal. And if you saw my article you wrote this past week, you would know why. But regardless, (laughs) you should seek that out, whether it's in theaters or on home video. It was home video. Jesus. Home, (laughs) however you can watch it at home. It's really great. Um, I also saw Loose. And unfortunately, I'm a little bit more in the Michael camp than the Matt camp. I also thought it was... It was a good movie overall, don't get me wrong, and I thought it raised interesting topics, and the performances were amazing, but I felt like the screenplay sacrificed clarity and uh, focus for kind of cheap is the wrong word, but maybe manipulative dramatic tension, but that's just my opinion. Octavia Spencer is probably career best, so it's worth seeing if nothing else for her. And last night I saw Ready or Not, which I won't talk too much about because I think we'll probably go into it. Uh, overall, but I really enjoyed it. It's, you know, right in my alley in terms of horror and comedy and dark humor and uh, rich people. And uh, I don't like rich people, but you know (laughs) what I mean? And yeah, definitely check that one out. It's a lot of fun. All right. Dan Baer, what about you? Um, So I, like Casey, also rewatched Carol just yesterday in prep for our our podcast review and uh god i love that movie so much it's so beautiful um and then i also saw ready or not which you would know if you pay attention to the podcast and saw our podcast review from yesterday and that's it (laughs) oh wait no no that that's actually so actually just a week ago on sunday um, I got together with a group of friends and some herbal refreshment, if you know what I mean. And I finally subjected myself to Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, my God. Wait, it's been this long? Yeah. And you finally just saw it for the first time? I decided that I was not going to give that movie a single dime of my money um, for various reasons. Um, and so you watch it through your neighbor's window, right? Uh, no, I was I was at a friend's place and it's on HBO Go, um, and we watched so you got it sabotaged into watching is what I'm hearing. Basically, yes. <laughs> um, we got him in the room. Press play. Press play. <laughs> <laughs> and really, like, I mean, high with a group of other high gay men is either the best way to see that movie or the worst way to see that movie. I'm still not sure. 
Um, it's just, it's, I, I don't understand. It's okay. I don't understand why people love it. It is so surface level. Yeah. Within the first, I don't know, a half hour to 45 minutes, it feels like we've gone through a whole lot of plot points, but it feels like nothing has actually happened. Everything, there's no conflict. There's no, everything just happened so easily in this movie. And I'm like, the, come on, you, it, there's no way it was that easy. I want to remind people of something. That movie made $900 million and won four Academy Awards. It, which, God, don't even get me started. Yeah, I don't want to relitigate it. I, but I was going to say, really we, we are looking forward movie. to a new <laughs> slate this year. Oh Let's not go back to last yeah, year, no. shall we? Yeah, we move on. And, you know, like, I guess I don't begrudge it. Like, people really love Queen, and it's fine as a movie about Queen. They got really emotional about it. And I was like, why? I didn't understand like how the movie got them to cry. I would just ask them and when it was over, I'd be like, so how many of you have seen Walk Hard of a Dewey Cox story? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't ask that because I actually haven't seen it. But I, I actually asked them, like, are you crying because the movie made you sad? And they're like, oh, no, no, no. It was a terrible movie. But I'm just thinking about AIDS and Freddie and all the people we lost. And that's sad. Yeah. I'm like, okay, okay, good. <laughs> because Well, that's like, the thing about Bohemian Rhapsody. That's really emotional. Then I would have to ask what movie you were watching. Because I, I there nothing st- is sticky about that movie at all. It just skates right along the surface of everything. It's a movie that people bring their own love of Queen and interest in Freddie Mercury. They bring all their emotions into it and react based on their personal lives and memories instead of what's actually happening on screen. I want to thank Dan Bayer for joining us in 2019 on the Bohemian Rhapsody discussion when it was obviously (laughs) more so a conversation for last year. Uh, We can obviously revisit this again uh, when we start getting into the actual award season and we look to the past to help us try to understand the present. Uh, Speaking of past, present, future, um, I saw something called The Current War. And oh. I know, bad bad pun. I'm sorry. Um, it, it, oh, my God, this movie. Uh, I Let me put it to you this way. I, I, I said that I was going to hold off on writing my review out of respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, yeah, it's, it, they, it's not better. It's not good. It's really not good. It's a mess. So I, 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 I don't want to even go into it that much. It just it's it's a mess. That's all. Uh, what else did I see? I saw I saw a good indie film, a good independent international film called Tigers Are Not Afraid. That movie looks so good. Yeah, so I I, I caught it at a, a art house theater here in New York City um, over the over the weekend, and it's really really well done. Um, it's not something that for me is going to be like one of my favorite films of the year, and I'm sure I'll see maybe better, uh, you know, foreign language movies this year, but. In terms of what they were working with, the imaginative uh, way that it was shot and conceived and uh, how harrowing it is, but at the same time also quite beautiful at times, uh, with some really terrific child performances, I really, really highly recommend people check this one out. Um, It's the kind of movie that 
definitely can be endorsed, but really, really needs uh, your support. Hi, guys. I'm Dane. And I'm Daniel. And we're from the IMDb Journey podcast. Where we break down every movie from the top 250 list, giving our own thoughts and reviews and any general discussion along the way. But when we're not doing that, we also battle other podcasts in various movie-related games of trivia and drafts. We also give quick reviews about every other film we've watched as well. Yeah, here we're quite good too. Yeah, if you guys don't believe us, why don't you listen to these genuine testimonies? Oh, hey guys, you guys are really good. I love your chemistry. Oh, hey, Brew, it's uh, this is a this is a good podcast, yo. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, love the banter, guys. Keep it up. I'm DB Jenny. Is one of my favorite podcasts of all time. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, fantastic testimonies. Oh, thanks, guys. Absolutely genuine and real. <laughs> And if you want to give a genuine testimony as well, go ahead and search for IMDb Journey. You can find us on all your favorite podcast sites, including iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. So come along and join our journey. Okay, so what we're going to do now is we're going to move over to the polls. So for last week's poll, uh, it was centered around Ready or Not. And we asked everyone, which is their favorite horror comedy? Mm -hmm. Top five results. In fifth place, with 11 votes is Edgar Wright's Shaun of the Dead. An excellent choice. In fourth place, with 13 votes, is Cabin in the Woods. Nice. Yeah, I really enjoy that movie. Ready or Not gave me vibes similar to that movie without spoiling too much. Agreed. Absolutely. Yeah, agreed. a bit, yeah. But it's weird, though, because, like, Cabin in the Woods is a movie that, for me, like, makes my top 10 that year. But Ready or Not, I, like, have already concluded is not coming anywhere near my top 10, which is weird. Uh, but yes, I agree in terms of similar vibes, though. We have a tie for third place between Young Frankenstein and What We Do in the Shadows. That's Frankenstein. <laughs> Those are lovely companions, actually. I think that's, yeah. that's nice. And in second and first place, with a difference of six votes between them. Second place is Jordan Peele's Academy Award-winning film, Get Out. Yes. And in first place is the West Craven classic, Scream. Which I think I'm finally going to watch this year. If Dan could watch Bohemian Rhapsody, I'm finally going to go and watch Scream. Yay, yeah, Michael! Yay. Michael. <laughs> Look at that, a collective applause right there. Progress. Scream is so yeah. good. No, it's funny. I've always wanted to see Scream, but I only want to watch it around like Halloween because I don't feel like I'm in the mood to watch horror oh, after Oh, that's that. perfect. Yeah. So every time we get to October, I'm like, I'm going to watch it this year. And then I get so busy. I'm like, I had no time to watch Scream this year. We'll wait until next year. <laughs> so if I say it in August, maybe it'll happen. Matt, was an American Werewolf in London in this poll? An American Werewolf in London was in this poll. Okay. So it didn't place. I want to just, I feel like people maybe haven't seen it because it's older. Definitely check that one out if you haven't. It's one of my absolute favorites as like a horror fanatic myself. It's funny and horrifying and it has probably to this day my favorite makeup effects of all time. Definitely give that one a look, guys. Well, let me put it to you this way. The tie for sixth place was Evil Dead 2 and Little Shop of Horrors. Okay. Seventh place yeah. was Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Oh. And then eighth place was a tie between American Werewolf in London and Army of Darkness. There it is. There she is. <laughs> just not enough votes. Yeah, just check it out, guys. So we are now looking ahead to the fall film festivals, obviously. We are asking everyone in our weekly poll, 
which fall film festival movie are you most looking forward to? What I have done with this poll is I have not included movies that have already screened. So no Lighthouse, no Parasite, no Clemency. So things like that are excluded. These are movies that nobody has seen yet. Well, quote unquote. <laughs> there are people who have seen these. Uh, they're just on the DL. So what do we got here? What do we got? We got a lot of stuff, obviously. We got stuff like Joker. We've got Marriage Story, Jojo Rabbit. We got Irishman, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Aeronauts, Waves, Harriet. Guys, come on. Feed me. Feed me. What do, what do you guys want to see? What are you guys looking forward to? Knives Out, baby. Knives Out is probably, next to Star Wars, my most anticipated of the year. I don't know how well it's going to be awards-wise, but I cannot wait. <laughs> Very jealous. Daniel. <laughs> I, the one that I'm looking forward to most is one that I, <laughs> I am also going to be seeing a certificate, and that is Robert Eggers' The Lighthouse. Which I said you can't say. Oh, right, because people have seen it? Yeah. Uh, fine. Sight unseen. Sight unseen. Fine. The one I'm looking forward to most is, I think because, okay, so we're going to talk about the trailer later, um, and the trailer actually sealed the deal for me on this, um, but it's Bombshell. Which is not in the poll, because it's not been confirmed for a film <laughs> festival. <laughs> you like, follow the rules, Bear. Damn, there's this thing called the internet, you can open it and look at the poll Jesus. we're talking about. Jesus, oh my god, you keep crushing all my dreams, Yeah. <laughs> Just keep going. Keep crushing everything. Right. I'll help you out, Dan. I think you're going to like this one, too. I'm also looking forward to Waves, the uh, musical from Trey Edward Schultz. Well, the musical that's not a musical. Yeah, but it's more like Baby Driver, where it's just like synchronized to music, apparently. Um, God, some of the people haven't seen blah, blah, blah. Um, Okay, then my third choice of most anticipated you guys are killing me here um, is one that I don't think anyone else is going to say actually. And that's the goldfinch. And you I are care. looking forward to the goldfinch. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I really liked the book. Um, I think the trailer looks gorgeous and um, Jeffrey Wright is a God. It does look pretty. Mm-hmm. I think we can all agree on that. <laughs> I feel like it's obvious to say I'm looking forward to marriage story. And I put that on Twitter when we talked about the poll, but also like, Jojo Rabbit and Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. But also I'm really intrigued and excited by Uncut Gems and Waves as like the smaller movies that we haven't seen anything from besides an image that are playing at some of these festivals. I think that, I don't know, there's a tapping into something that I really like and it seems really, it they, they intrigue me and I like that. I, I actually am in agreement with you on that. But for me... Uh, the number one movie that I'm most looking forward to is Marriage Story, and part of that is because it's just been maybe too hyped. Hype. Yeah, and if this movie is not like on the level of something like An Ordinary People or Terms of Endearment or Kramer versus Kramer or something like that, I- I'm just going to be severely disappointed now at this point. So I'm going in with this expectation that this movie is going to be like the domestic drama that is going to just wipe the floor of this award season. So if it's not that, then, ugh. but that's why I am looking forward to it. Wouldn't it be nice if certain pundits already saw the movie and gave us hints as to if it's good or not? Good or not? Oh, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder who those people are. Um, also, too, I got to just say, for the record, I am very, very much looking forward to Just Mercy in terms of, like, just what's on paper. Yeah. And didn't mm-hmm. that screen this week at, like, there was, like, what was it, a SAG screening or something? Unofficially. 
I mean, it's all over Twitter. It's not like it's a secret. <laughs> the various Brie Larson fan accounts I follow were posting pictures of the Q&A. So. Let me put it to you this way. There are a lot of movies that have already screened for uh, select select people. Yeah, but I'm just saying that that one was more publicized than others, which was Yeah, but yeah. Doesn't that movie have a very late release date? Uh, like very yeah it, it's around christmas then it's going to go wide in mid-january but so they're feels, really getting out ahead to you know, avoid that jumble at the end mm. so well, my most anticipated of the fall is uh to go on what matt was saying it's marriage story for a number of reasons i know we're going to talk about the trailer later but it just looks beautiful and i love so many elements about it and you know i was thinking this week you know, we're going to be saying the names of these movies so much over the next couple of months. So we could say Marriage Story, or we could impersonate the clergyman from The Princess Bride and call it Mowage Story. <laughs> I like that. Have a little fun with this. I like that. I'll, I'll, I'll stick with that for a little while. That's good. Um, what else? What else? What else? I mean, obviously Irishman, but um, Irishman is the kind of movie that I feel like is going to be the divisive film Twitter movie this year. I know I've been saying that for a little while now, but... That's just my take of things. And then, yeah, I mean, I like the Safdie Brothers, so Uncut Gems, definitely. I just don't know how much that's going to be a play for Sandler or Safdie Brothers in any way. I can't wait for that. When Adam Sandler does, you know, uh, he's always brilliant. Even in his bad movies, he's usually terrific. So to see him work Calm with... down there. You know, <laughs> to see him work with, you know, more prestigious directors and do something a little out of his usual wheelhouse... You know, I, I just love to see him given the opportunity to work on a larger canvas. And this is a great cast. Dina Menzel is in this. Judd Hirsch is in it. It's like a New York drama. I don't know if it, there's a thriller element to it, but uh, I can't wait for that. And then other things, too. I mean, there was another trailer released this week for once again for Ad Astra. And I, I got to say, I, it's kind of bumming me out that a lot of us are writing this off and above the line. Obviously, I think some of us still have it predicted in text below the line, but I think the trailers have done a really remarkable job of selling this movie to, I'm not speaking for everybody, but I'll be a little uh, egotistical here and just be like myself. <laughs> it's done a great mm -hmm. job of selling it to me. Um, yeah. As a cinephile, I'm deeply, deeply excited about it. Um, how do you guys feel? I think it looks beautiful. There's some really interesting shots that I, especially because I've seen, I think it's either the first or second trailer in the theater and seeing it just like a lot of these really interesting shots. I'm hoping I get to see it in IMAX. And yeah, I'm always, I'm, I'm a sucker for the space movie, the space, the sad space movie. So oh, it's got mm -hmm. me there. That's me too. I, I mean, I love yeah. this trend we have of throw a movie star in space and have it be like very poignant and plaintive. That's like, uh, it's. I always respond to those movies. It just works, and they're always so pretty. And we have two of them this season with uh, Lucy in the Sky and Ad Astra. True. Yeah. And then isn't there another one also with Eva Green? I can't remember the name of it though. Proxima. Yes, that's the one. Yeah, from Alice Winokur, who did Disorder with uh, Matthias Schoenarts and Diane Kruger. So head on over to the polls page. Let us know what you're most looking forward to. Get in there and vote now, uh, obviously before August 28th, when some of these films at Venice start screening. Marriage Story, uh, Joker, Judy, a bunch of others. You know, it's going to just come and go. Uh, well, Judy actually actually is Tiff now that I'm thinking about it. Wait, where is Judy? Judy is Judy's Tiff 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 in London. Yeah. Where is Judy? <laughs> indeed indeed i feel also, like, pa like i feel like paulie in uh in goodfellas was like i get confused myself sometimes <laughs> where is judy is definitely a line that'll be in the movie judy i guarantee oh absolutely <laughs> yeah all right 
So first trailer uh, for this week's episode uh, is actually going to be the movie that a lot of us have just talked about. Uh, let's talk about the trailer, though, what our imp- uh, impressions of it are. Noah Baumbach's most uh, anticipated film, maybe, of all time? I don't know. But it's Marriage Story, starring Scarlett Johansson, Adam Driver, Laura Dern, Alan Alda, a bunch of others. Let's take a look at the trailer for this one. In fact, wait a minute. There's two. There's two trailers, trailers for this one. Yes. So they're both short. We're going to play them one one right after another here. Uh, so just bear with us in terms of the repetitiveness. But we want to talk about both of them uh, together. So here are the two trailers for I Marriage Story. What I love about Charlie. He loves being a dad. It's almost annoying how much he likes it. A little too he cries easily in movies. I cried four times. Me too. He's very competitive. What's this? Who owns Baltic Avenue? He's very clear about what he wants. He's a great dresser. Never looks embarrassing, which is hard for a man. He takes all of my moods steadily. He doesn't make me feel bad about them. He rarely gets defeated, which I feel like I always do. We should talk. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how to start. With you, my love. Life has been so wonderful. I've been. What I love about Nicole. Loving you. She's a great dancer, infectious. She is a mother who plays, really plays. She gives great presents. She's competitive. What? Are you kidding me? She knows when to push me. And when to leave me alone. I thought we should talk. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how to start. I love this marketing. I love it. <laughs> what was the what was the last movie with James McAvoy and Jessica Chastain that did this? The disappearance, the disappearance of Eleanor Rigby. Eleanor Rigby. Yeah. Two yeah. separate movies. And then they did a them. Yeah. There was right. Uh, the Weinstein edit. Obviously, that's not what we're doing here. But I do like that the marketing is taking this approach. There's two separate posters. There's two separate trailers. I kind of hope that there isn't a combined trailer. Although I know that they are oh, working on it, and it is coming. <laughs> Yeah, although these ones are pretty similar. There's a lot of repeated shots and things and yeah. whatnot. So I feel like they just give you a slightly different perspective, but you're seeing some of the same things, which is cool. And I like the use of like the same song, but two different versions of it. I really like that. I like that too, yeah. It, it's a smart, smart marketing tool. I it, it makes me kind of disappointed that we don't see basically any of the supporting cast, really. I was, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say um, that because I feel like Laura Dern is at the top of all of our contender lists for supporting actress, yeah. possibly. 
Um, yeah, is she playing? There was a shot where it looked like from behind she may be Scarlett Johansson's uh, representation. Yeah, she, yes. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I know that, uh, there was some information earlier this year. She is uh, Scarlett Johansson's lawyer. Ray Liotta okay. is uh, Adam Driver's lawyer, and Alan Alda plays an earlier lawyer to uh, Adam Driver's character. Okay, cool. Good to know. I can recognize Laura Dern by the back of her head. Yeah, let's also uh, point out, too, this is something I think that could be interesting in terms of theme here, is that there is a female lawyer representing the uh, woman in the story, and there's a male lawyer representing the uh, male in the story. And I wonder how much, in terms of gender dynamics, the film is going to play around uh, with that. And there's a lot of other different elements that obviously can be called into this, but uh, <laughs> our, our very own Will Mavity uh, commented as soon as he saw the trailer was, well, this just makes marriage look absolutely horrible, and I never want to get married, like, yep. ever. <laughs> and I think I saw some people on Twitter saying stuff like, this movie's going to do for marriage what uh, Jaws did for swimming in the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was Blue Valentine that really did that. Exactly. <laughs> if this movie is anywhere near as good as Blue Valentine, and with the promotional material that Netflix is going to push behind it for its awards campaign, which Blue Valentine sadly was never, ever going to get, this is, I think, going to just blow the lid off the roof. I really do. I think it'll also benefit from Noah's comedy that he brings into it of, like, the re- like I don't think it'll be as, like, truly depressing as Blue Valentine. I think it'll have a nice balance of real life. Like, you see these, like, it'll show, like, the concept of, like, happy moments, but when you look bad, they're kind of painful. And I think, you know, like we see some shots in the trailer of them happy and like whatever. And it's kind of more just going to be like, oh, like yeah. <laughs> but I think there's like an Annie Hall vibe to it. Yeah. And I, I think that's yeah, something that I think people will latch on to people that have been through breakups or divorces or children mm-hmm. of divorce or whatnot. I think that'll hit a nerve. Right. Because even his most depressing movie, in my opinion, Squid and the Whale is still perversely funny in its own way. Well, uh, I have confirmation that this is going to have elements of humor. Like it, it, it is it is a mixture. Yeah, even in the trailer, there was a line. They were at the movie theater, and the son goes, "I cried four times," and he goes, "Me too." I I can't wait to see what movie that they're seeing. So I'm just like, yeah. I'm like, I wonder what movie it's gonna be. <laughs> it's uh, I don't know. It's Finding Dory. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody. There you go. Sorry. <laughs> yes, you Sorry. <laughs> um, this is something that obviously once we saw the trailer, once we saw how they were uh, marketing this, um, I think that this is a very strategic move on Netflix's part and is something that I think is going to um, obviously be a contender above the line. I know a bunch of us are kind of struggling right now to find where it will fit uh, below the line. But then again, you know, you have movies like uh, Green Book getting a Best Editing nomination. So who knows where this could end up with a tech nomination somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it could just be like Lady Bird, where it is all above the line. Just Lady Bird. It's a pretty good place to be. Yeah, yeah uh, but it yeah. is also an Oscarless film. So, <laughs> you know, there's, there is that to consider. Um, speaking of Oscarless, uh, a man right now who is currently Oscarless at the moment, but is having quite a year, um, as I'm calling it, the hashtag year of the driver, uh, mm-hmm. is Adam Driver. And he doesn't just have Marriage Story coming out this uh, season. He also has The Report, which I had the privilege of seeing earlier this year at Sundance. Uh, That is coming out uh, from Amazon Studios. There was a trailer for that this week as well. Let's take a look at that one and see what we think of that. And also, ooh, the the number two contender in most of our uh, predictions right now to Laura Dern, Annette Bening. Let's take a look. After 9-11, everyone was scared. Scared it might happen again. 
It was my second day of grad school. Next day, I changed all my classes to national security. Morning, Dan. Morning, Senator. Have you seen the story today in the New York Times? Evidently, the CIA destroyed tapes of interrogations of Al-Qaeda detainees. I want to find out what was on the tapes and why they were destroyed. No paper. Paper is a way of getting people in trouble at our place. At our place, paper is how we keep track of laws. Last night, I found this. He's detainee number 24. Have you guys used this thing before? No. We watched the video. They waterboarded him 183 times. 11, Everything they got from him 13, was either a lie or something they already had. If it works, why do you need to do it 183 times? Maybe when the report comes out, people will finally see that. I vehemently disagree with the narrative here. The United States does not torture. Dan, you need to be careful here. They can't destroy the document. They can go after the next best thing, you. They claim they saved lives, but what they really did was make it impossible to prosecute a mass murderer, because if what we did to him ever came out in a court of law, the case is over. The guy planned 9-11. We will not allow this to be covered the up. The intent is to gain intel, save American lives. History is written by the victors. We need to change our approach. How is that even ethical? Nothing could be further from the truth. Democracy is messy. If the Times had your report, we would print it tomorrow. No. If it's going to come out, it's going to come out the right way. Looks great. Yeah, this is a solid trailer. But it's just, yeah. especially it, it got better as it went on, which I think you want yeah. out of a trailer. But it was just like, at first I was like, okay, like I, whatever. I feel like maybe I've seen this kind of thing before. And then it just builds and builds and builds, which I really enjoyed. And I like the editing uses of like the blacking out of the words and stuff. I think that was really. Oh yeah, I love that. Yeah, maybe because it's this year's um, paper-based political drama thriller, but I really got the post and spotlight vibes from the trailer, which is, in my mind, a great place to be. Yeah, it did remind me of the post with the brief point of Adam Reese and I mean, I'm Matthew Reese in it of like reminding me of that part, his part in the post where I was just like, oh, <laughs> you're like, oh my god, yes, <laughs> like having the secret interview thing. So, but besides that, it's a good thriller. Um, I, I'll admit that I'm not as high on it as a lot of other people are. I think the performances in it are really good. I, I, I remember saying out of uh, Sundance, I thought this was Adam Driver's best performance, uh, better than what he had done in Black Klansman. And I, I think he's got a few show-stopping monologues in this that will definitely chill the room. Uh, it's, it's a very tight movie, and it definitely explores its issue very well in that kind of spotlight sort of way. I think it's a great companion piece to Zero Dark Thirty, especially. It's just... My issue with the movie, and I'm not going to get into full review mode here, my issue with the movie is that I really, really wish I had gotten a chance to know these characters outside of their work. I don't feel like I know any of these people at all. And that was a very, very big disconnect for me. So, take that take that for what you will. Um, obviously, I think the trailer does play very well. I think it sells the movie uh, exactly for what it is. And I think that's exactly what this uh, movie needs to be uh, sold as in this marketplace right now. Because I don't think there's another movie like that right now at the moment. That at least has a trailer out for it. And, uh, you know, the, the release strategy is very interesting, too. Um, and how they're going to be doing... What is it? Is it one week or two weeks in theaters before it goes to Prime? I can't remember. I think it's two weeks, right? I think it's two weeks, yeah. Yeah, it's either one or two weeks, uh, but it's going to literally be, they're doing a Netflix strategy with this one. That's probably clever. I mean, they need the support. They had a terrible summer over it. 
over at Amazon. So if they could find the new strategy and have the work for them, more power to them. Yeah, definitely agree. Definitely, definitely agree. What do you guys think of Annette Benning and the uh, uh, Matt, small I was just, clips? I was just going to ask what, I'm sure you've talked about it on Mike already, but are we correct in having her up there in our supporting actress lineup so far? Yeah, like, yeah, I, I think so. It, it's just, it, it personally, like when people were saying, oh, she could win for this, I think I, I, I don't see it. But then again, I also didn't see things like, driver on the merit of performance last year um so much as he was riding a wave and i feel like benning could ride a wave because just the very idea of her playing um diane feinstein is something that creates momentum and gets people to go ooh ah and you know and she just and then all she has to be is just good enough if the field works out in her favor and i think that's exactly what this is here i mean as we have learned time and again there is nothing the Academy likes better than an actor or actress mimicking a famous person. And <laughs> she looks like she's doing a damn good job of it here, honestly. Shout out to the hair and makeup team. Plus, with the movie funny. in general. I love, uh, Annette Benning is one of my favorite actresses. Diane Feinstein is one of my favorite senators. I did not see the connection between the two. You know, I saw what they were going for, but it's not like it was a total Daniel Day Lewis transformation or Meryl Streep, Margaret Thatcher transformation. You know, I got the essence of it, and that's okay, as long as she's giving a great and betting performance, and I could buy her as, you know, the personality of Diane Feinstein. She looks as close as she's going to get to looking like Diane Feinstein. Yeah, and you know, like I said, my own personal opinion here is that this is good in that betting. I don't think this is all-time great in that betting, but I think at this stage in her career, I don't think she has to be in order to get a nomination. She is the definition of overdue. <laughs> exactly. Alrighty, moving on with the trailers here. Next up, Edward Norton, written, directed, and starring. This is Motherless Brooklyn. This is a movie that also is, uh, well, I don't want to say definitively, because we're not supposed to know definitively, probably going to Telluride, is also going to be at TIFF and also at New York Film Fest. Let's take a look at this one. Okay, listen, I got something wrong with me. That's the first thing to know. I got threads in my head. I got threads in my head, man. I twitch and shout a lot. Eh. Makes me look like a damn freak show. Can't you ever cut that out? I'm sorry. Touch it, Bailey. I'm sorry. But inside my head's an even bigger mess. I can't stop twisting things around. Words and sounds especially. Have to keep playing with them until they come out right. Sorry. Jeez, forget I asked. Like I said, a damn mess. Then I started working for Frank. Frank Minna, Private Eye. Boys. Frank, frankly, frankly, Franco. He's the one who taught me how to use my head, turn it into a strength. He gave me a place in this crappy world until I screwed up. Frank! Brooklyn, she's in trouble now. Does anybody know what Frank was into on this? There's something going down, and it's big, and they were not happy about what he found. We find who did this, and we square accounts. If I figure it out, I'm gonna make him regret it. I promise you that. That's her. That's the girl that Frank was following. I think she found something. What happens to poor people in this city wasn't news yesterday, and it won't be tomorrow. Where's everybody go? Mostly just disappear. 
This town is run by Moses Randolph. When someone isn't seen for what they truly are, that's a very dangerous thing. Do you have the first inkling how power works? Power is knowing that you can do whatever you want and not one person can stop you. Those people are invisible. They don't exist. If you threaten his work, he will destroy you. You're alone. You got no idea. You're webbed up in this somehow, and these people aren't going to stop. If, if, if. You got a head just like mine, always turning things around. Some people call it a gift, but it's a brain affliction just the same. You remember what I said? She doesn't know. She doesn't know. What don't I know? And the award for weirdest trailer of the year goes to. They're just trying to pack a lot into the one trailer. I didn't know what to think while watching this because in the beginning, I'm like, is this supposed to be, dare I say, comedic? Because it was almost borderline offensive to a certain extent with the way the tone was playing and. And the voiceover and. I couldn't quite understand. And then all of a sudden it turns like definitely serious. And also I didn't think it was like that well shot necessarily and there were just things about it that i'm like i'm not really intrigued by the story it just feels very surface level to me it feels like things we've seen before but then taking this route to it of like this is how we're going to make it different and it's not working i don't know it just felt like things like the visually it didn't appeal to me at all it felt like things i've seen before and then i just like started laughing hysterically at how bad parts of this trailer were. Just It kept doing things where I was like, of course that's going to happen. I'm like, I don't take Bruce Willis serious as a uh, serious actor. No, that's what I started Aww. laughing I'm like, I'm like, why? What is happening here? And I was, because I like Edward Norton. And that's why I was like frustrated that I'm like, this just looks bad. And then I got reminded that it's two and a half hours long. And I'm just like, this screams vanity project now to me on so many levels. Yeah. Yeah, You know what it reminded me of? Go ahead. Go on. No, you. What did it remind you of? The the trailer reminded me of Simple Jack from Tropic Thunder. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard that a lot. Honestly, like, I expect better from Edward Norton than whatever he's doing in this trailer. It's just the whole vibe of the movie, the, the trailer. I don't want to be too mean, and it's just a trailer, but it really felt like the kind of movie that they'll eventually cover on um, Joe Reed and Chris Files' podcast, This Had Oscar Buzz. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> ripe for that kind of yeah. like Passover by the Academy. But maybe we're wrong. Maybe it's showing at all these uh, festivals maybe indicates something else. Like downsizing. <laughs> nice Michael. Michael. That's really apt. Michael yeah. with the shade. Also a movie that's way too long. Well, you know, Edward Norton, you know, to give him credit as a director, he is one for one. Keeping the faith is pretty good. But that was also nearly 20 years ago in mm-hmm. a very different tone. Yep. So we shall see. I will check this out most likely and uh, we'll go from there. I'm debating. Like, it's one of those things where I'm like, should I wait until like, people see it at Telluride first and then like maybe catch a second screening or if not, just wait till NYFF. I don't know. Like, yeah, I'm this just is like, definitely one of those where I want to wait until to see what other people think of it first. I mean, let me put it to you this way too. Uh, the first two trailers that we just talked about, I, I talked about how they sold me on the movie. This is a trailer that did not sell me on the movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I don't know what could have been done to fix that necessarily. Um, I, I, I genuinely think it is, it is just this idea of this actor who we know has 
he's really, really respected for his talent, but we know he's got troubled history behind the scenes with a lot of people. And he is the director, the star, and the writer of this movie. Right? He also wrote it, didn't he? I believe so. Uh, he adapted so, from yeah. the novel, yeah. Yeah, so you hear that, you hear if it's two and a half hours long, and you're also seeing him play some uh, an affliction that honestly is something that can be borderline offensive to a lot of people. And I just don't think the trailer, in the moments that they chose to showcase of him like displaying that, I don't think it played well. Uh, I, I really don't. <laughs> Maybe it'll play better in the movie. Maybe. I wonder what the vibe on that set must have been like between Edward Norton, Bruce Willis, and Alec Baldwin. Oh, a lot of fireworks. Yeah. Sure. I, uh, <laughs> that's a lot of ego in one room. That's a lot of ego. Like, poor Google Mabafa Raw caught in the crossfire of all that. <laughs> so, who I'm, like, really, really happy to see in more movies. I think she's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't. Yeah. I, whoever just mentioned this had Oscar buzz, like, that. that is exactly what this screams to me in so many ways. You know what else it screams? It's almost like same studio, same time of year. Remember The Accountant from 2016? Oh, do I ever. Oh. It's like, there you go. It's your adult mainstream movie that is somewhere Oscar adjacent, but isn't going to get as close as the studio wants. That's probably this. That one made money, though, right? It made yeah, a decent amount of money. money yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. they were able to play up the thriller elements of that. And, and that's not to know. say this won't make money. I just don't think it's going to do well in terms of awards. Let me let me be very clear. I do, I'm going to make a prediction now. This is not going to make money. No. I mean, the book was pretty popular when it came out. The problem was that it, it came out 20 years ago. Yeah, it, it came out a long time ago. And It's like, also not a period piece. Yeah. that That's the thing that is really weird to me, is that the book was not a period piece, and he's decided to turn it into one and like Wait, really yes that's that's, that is bonkers (laughs) well once again it's another example where it kind of screams i think uh, it it screams vanity project in terms of like if we were to adapt it as is oh we may not i'm not saying he's making this with the idea of getting awards i'm just saying the the perception on the outside looking in is well they updated it to period so that they could get more technical nominations and position it as awards bait Mm-hmm. Yeah, or like it seems like Edward Norton just really likes film noir and was like, yeah, that's what I was thinking. But you can make a modern day film noir. Look at Brick. But, but then you don't, get, you don't get to wear cool hats then. Yeah, he yeah. likes the old school detective novels, and for some reason he liked this enough to turn it into one. It it's very strange and weird, and I don't know why. And Edward Norton, why are you doing this to me? Well, listen, <laughs> you know we're talking about wearing hats right now, but what about wearing wigs? Because I'm about to drop a bombshell on you guys with oh, this next trailer. Oh, no. <laughs> so, we've been hearing a lot about this one. Uh, we thought it was called Fair and Balanced for quite a while. It is directed by Jay Roach, a comedic director who has uh, since gone on to make uh, some very prestigious HBO movies, such as Game Change, uh, All the Way. And uh, his last directed film was Trumbo, which got an Oscar nomination for Brian Cranston. So naturally, there is a bit of talk around this one. And there was more talk once the teaser dropped. Let's talk about it. This is Bombshell, starring Margot Robbie, Charlize Theron, and Nicole Kidman. in here. 
when you were talking about perfect teaser. Okay. When you were talking about the movie that film Twitter is going to hate this year, for two reasons, oh, yeah. I think this might be it. One, getting serious Vice vibes from the trailer. Um, two, I, I don't know how to put this without seeing the whole movie, but if this movie positions any of those women who continued to work at Fox News after this incident as heroes, even like this, you know, obviously it's a horrible situation, but if they, they are positioned as like boundary breakers and then continue to work at this propagandist network, I think film and also a lot of people have a problem with this movie, but that is sight unseen. That is based on a teaser with very little dialogue. So we'll just have to see. Yeah, that's and Jay Roach, I trust. I was going to say, I don't think Jay Roach is that kind of uh, storyteller uh, based no, on his well, previous look at track game record. Change, you look at Recount, he has a way of taking these stories about people who, you know, find themselves in unique situations, people you otherwise, you know, I think I speak for all of us, say we're not necessarily fans of these characters and the organization that they work for. But you look at a movie like Game Change and how he treated Sarah Palin, Julianne Moore as Sarah Palin. And it was a really interesting angle. You wanted to watch this story and watch what was going on with her portrayal. So I think if they take a similar approach here, there could be something really interesting under the surface. Yeah, I hope you're right. I think just just for me, I don't feel far enough removed from all of this for this to not feel like. And I I think that's just because of the like political climate we live in and like the way media is portrayed of just like it feeling like an SNL sketch and it feels like the camera movements are so weird and this all just felt like look we got Margot Robbie and Charlize Theron and Nicole Kidman in a movie look they're in wigs look how much she looks like Megyn Kelly like it just feels like they're just showing off briefly and then to be like ooh Fox News like this is the Me Too movement story we're gonna tell it just feels like I don't know like I didn't get any like enjoyment out of this besides the fact that like I'm happy Margot Robbie's having a moment like that's and like, yeah, the makeup work looks great, but like, I just, I'm tired. <laughs> I the makeup work on Charlize is unbelievable. Uh, that is the best all. part of this, I think. I think that's unreal. something we can all agree on. Yeah, like, I, I remember when they announced the casting, I'm like, oh, Charlize is perfect for Megyn Kelly. I did not even think ever that she would look this perfect. It looks like she's the performance she's giving in that trailer, like the way that she moves her head and her eyes, it's just brilliant. And I have to say, like, I'm just here for these actresses in these parts. Like every I was on the edge of my seat at every moment in this trailer that the three of them are in or about to be in or just getting out of that elevator because they're playing it so, so well. Like, the editing is tightening that feeling. And, like, I agree, Casey, about, like, the camera work, the zooms and the weird movements and the, like, faux documentary Barry Aykroyd. And, like, I can't... I don't love that, but at the same time, like, seriously, once it got into that elevator... I was just like, and the music in the trailer that does breathy ooze are just like, it's perfect. It, it the, I don't know what the movie is going to be like, but this trailer was like a perfect tension builder. I think it's great. I think this is Hollywood's answer to Big Little Lies. What do you mean Go by on. that? <laughs> like, I don't see it, but like I see it if I look at it really askew because Nicole and Charlie's and... Uh, Margo. Margo and also Alice Eve and Kate McKinnon and all the other like Allison Janney. 
I, I think it's a what I, what I mean by this is I think it is a uh, gathering of some very powerhouse female uh, like award winning actresses in an ensemble film. I I think as long as it is never they're never let up on the fact that they continue to work at this racist race baiting propagandist network after the fact and they are still complicit to that then I think it's safe. I also I don't know about this movie and I don't know about this te- it is the, it is I will say the definition of a teaser so at least there's that. Yeah, I need to see more in the trailer in terms of are we going to get some Oscar clip scenes of like somebody delivering like a powerful monologue um what is going to be more of the visual aesthetic of this movie because for all we know everything in this teaser could just been shot for the teaser it may not be something in the movie. I actually thought the same thing that I was like it'll be interesting if this is in the movie but I mean because it felt so trailery. Yeah. Right. Um, I will say this, and I know people, <laughs> there were a lot of people that were saying, oh, this could fuel Margot Robbie's chances to get nominated for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I was like, uh, scratch that, yep. reverse it. I'm like, Once yep. Upon a Time in Hollywood is going to help her maybe get nominated for, for this. Well, no, it depends on what reaction I think, to it is like. Yeah, but like, like Casey said, even though uh, the reaction to Vice last year was clearly even more polarizing than something like Green Book was, uh, Vice was still able to get eight nominations. So yeah, plus Rupert, it seems like playing a uh, a real life character here. It's sort of like an amalgam. And it's she also thing, seems like, like the youngest of them, and feels like I think that could be something that audiences gravitate to of like her not being a real person. Of like, I, she seemed very young to me in it compared to the other two. And like, yeah. there's this young girl being taken advantage of in this like media conglomerate that that could like. Yeah, she's going to be our window into the story. Yeah. Whereas in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you know, she is the heart and soul of that movie as Sharon Tate. Right. But I think this is going to be a more substantial role in terms of Oscar bait, personally. I mean, this will probably be a more substantial role, but I think it may come down to which movie they like better. And we know that they love themselves in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Also, this is the kind of movie that screams to me that Margot Robbie, because she is our um, like our our lead into this world. Uh, she's going to be the lead, but I could see some crazy trickery going on where it's like, well, no, 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 she's supporting because Charlize Theron's got the makeup and uh, yeah. we're going to yeah. we're going to Steve Carell her into lead. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can see that. And Margot Robbie will push the supporting and commit category fraud. Yeah, uh, that will do it for trailers. Now, what we're going to do is we are going to answer some fan questions. I got my fan question list here. And let's see what everybody sent in this week. Definitely a lot to talk about. What's really funny is that not a single question about D23 Expo or uh, Spider-Man having a home. You know, Spider-Man truly far from home now. No, that's just public negotiations. Yeah, I I don't really want to talk about that. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see where it goes. Um, I will just say, side note, in terms of D23, um, there was a lot of shit that got released i mean it's getting to a point where it's like almost overwhelming and it's too much but um i will admit there are certain things i'm really really excited for yeah give me november 12th already because that is the release of disney plus oh gotcha well i'm yeah. like i'm like star wars the last jedi comes out in december yeah i'm sorry um rise of skywalker whatever anyway uh, so Daniel B, Film Sports 21 asks, what are your current thoughts on the prospects for The Goldfinch? I know it's being written off, but I saw the trailer again, and I am warming up to it being a potential contender. I feel like Ansel or Nicole could have Chalamet and Beautiful Boy-like run. 
I'm just not like super comfortable writing things off this early based yeah, on, you know, so. two minutes of edited footage. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the cinematography will be in play until it's not just based on the fact that it's Deacons. And I mean, Brooklyn was a hit with the Oscars. So until proven otherwise, I don't think it's something we can write off. That being said, I'm personally not predicting it in any above the line categories. <laughs> but yeah, at the same time, I, I uh, until it's, you know, done, done, I'm not writing it off. I don't have it predicted for anything at the moment. I the thing that I can't shake a feeling about other than um, the cinematography, obviously, is Jeffrey Wright. Um, just because the man is incredible, he looks great in the trailer, and if it hues to the book well enough, that could be one of those small but very impactful supporting roles that manages to get traction especially since everyone really likes him yeah he's in my um, long list for supporting actor too yeah. yeah i i don't know and i think with a book like this i feel like adapted screenplay is always in play um i feel like this is the one that people have their knives out for the most before anyone actually sees it which I I think is incredibly unfair to the movie, and people have just sort of dismissed it as Oscar bait of the worst kind, and I really hate that. Um, so I'm more inclined to defend it, I think, than anything else. But um, yeah, I don't know about Ansel Elgort or Nicole for this. Yeah, I feel like the uh, Jeffrey Wright thing seems the most. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll agree with that, and I uh, and I also will accept your hatred, Dan. Uh, I, I am one of those people. <laughs> so I ju- I just think it's incredibly unfair to a movie when no one has seen it yet. Yeah, that's kind of where I am, Dan. And like, hey, and you having, know what? That's what we got to do sometimes when we're making predictions. You know, I actually liked it because, like, having read the book, I feel like the the trailer sort of captured the feeling of the book really well in a way that I was not expecting it all i want to just uh remind people uh and this is not so much to you dan this is just for everyone that's listening right now prediction does not equal advocation yeah no yeah absolutely uh this one comes from a clay 19 after disney had a huge campaign for black panther last year how much do you think they are going to campaign avengers endgame for awards consideration a lot i agree two different beasts (laughs) <laughs> uh, no, no, I still think they're going to do it, though. I still think they're going to put the money behind uh, it and, and try for it. It's just not going to pay off in the same way. Oh, yeah. I mean, agreed. Yeah, but I feel they're definitely going to campaign for it. It'll get some techs, probably. To so be like, very clear, I'm still not completely writing it off for... I don't have it predicted for Best Picture, but I am still, like... Like, I am not at a 0% chance it's never going to happen mindset of it yet. Uh, I don't know. I know I just said I don't want to write things off this early, but we've already seen Endgame, and if, like, Force Awakens can't get in, I don't know. Agreed. One nomination and one nomination only. Visual effects. If I'm going to put money on anything, it's that it gets in at PGA. That's potentially possible. I could see that, yeah. Yeah. And then that'll get people being like, ooh, maybe, and then it won't happen. (laughs) It's like Deadpool or something. It's like big superhero movies, the (laughs) exception of Black Panther. It's like... Like Deadpool and things where it's like, oh, this might happen. And then it yeah. doesn't. So I, I really I've said this for a while, but I really feel like Black Panther is the exception that proves the rule mm-hmm. that superhero movies just don't get in. Yeah. Uh, this one comes from Logan Van Winkle. 
What is one film from the fall film festivals that you are most nervously awaiting the first reactions for? Knives Out. Joker. A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Um, I'm a, I'm a little interested to see how Judy comes uh, from the mainstream critics because I think there's definitely different camps that could get different things from the movie, and I'm interested to see what the the main critics think. See now that okay, see now that's, that's a uh, I thought this had Oscar buzz contender in my opinion. Yeah, that Very to me, <laughs> Judy just or I, or or it could be my week with Marilyn, and it might get Renee Zellweger in there, but the movie itself is just so so. Sure. I, I, but I don't see it going beyond Zellweger and anything else. The Renaissance? Yeah. Costumes. Yeah. yeah, maybe costumes. I wish her nothing but the best. She's great when she's on. And we haven't seen her, you know, doing, you know, it, we, it's been a while since the Renee Zellweger we know has been on screen. I feel like Judy is just going to be like, it's going to be the opposite side of the whole biopic mimicry angle where too many people are too connected to Judy Garland and they're going to be like, this is, you know, this is not Judy. She doesn't look anything like her. There doesn't sound like her, blah, blah, blah. Um, which is sort of like the dirty underbelly of the whole of everyone's love of people playing real people. My prediction is that Renee Zellweger is going to get a tremendous amount of praise, but the movie itself is not. That's my current prediction. I can also see that happening. So, yeah. Um, and I also want to just clarify the reason why I say Joker. Uh, the film did just get announced for uh, getting an NYFF slot no. this week, uh, which is eyebrow raising considering the rest of their lineup and, you know, the kind of films that they do usually bring in to their festival. It indicates that it is obviously maybe better than what a lot of people are perceiving it might be. Um, the reason why I'm nervous, though, about it isn't so much like, do I care if it's great or not? No, I don't really care about that. I am extremely nervous about the online fallout. And every time I just use Joker in a tweet for the rest of the season about anything, I know I'm going to get flooded with comments from stands and fanboys left and right. <laughs> And it's just gonna it's just gonna annoy the crap out of me. So I, I nervously like want it to be good so that this way I don't have to endure that. That is a very, very selfish answer, but it's true. I mean, we want all movies to be good. So Oh, yeah. oh well, don't we all? Except for anything directed by Brian Singer, you know. I mean fair. Okay. Fair. <laughs> God, yes. Uh alrighty. So this is um comes from Wit Festmeyer. Uh what do you think the best waves can what do you think is the best that waves can perform a24 definitely sees the potential in it i'm seeing scores sterling k brown screenplay sound mixing because it's entirely synchronized to music even though it's not a musical and it just got a november release date announced by a24 as well signifying that there is confidence in the movie yeah i want to wait until we see this premiere next week but if the reactions are strong enough the fact that they seem to have confidence in it suggests that it could do pretty well so i have it in uh, screenplay right now but I could certainly see it making a play in picture or picture acting or director even below the line. So, yeah, bring it on. Baby Driver did manage to get an Oscar nomination for some sound category. It got, it got it was sounds, and I think sounds. editing. It was also and editing. film editing. Yeah. So like film editing. Yeah. I, so I could see it getting into the same those same categories if um, if the whole thing really does work. Um, but the side on baby driver was a summer studio release. This is 
November from A24, the same weekend that they put out Lady Bird. Yeah, exactly. So, like, this is their version of a summer release. <laughs> no, this is them doing like, an no, Oscar it's true. Release. Like, it, if they yeah, want exactly. to do a summer release, they do a summer release. This is prime no, Oscar but, season. No, I'm saying, like, this is A24, A24, which is, you know, as a awards very, magnet. Yeah, as an awards magnet thing. Like, this is their version of a summer blockbuster, you know, is prime awards date release, you know, awards season release date. I don't know what I'm saying. Well, speaking of awards release dates, um, this one comes from Brock Masters. Can you guys clarify the rules of what can contend for Oscars? Netflix original specifically? I know you've touched on it a few times, but I think I need a refresher before award season starts. They can contend for Oscars. However, you have to play in a theater in Los Angeles for, I believe it's a week. I think it's two weeks, but I might be wrong. There's a minimum period that you have to play in a theater. However, not every Netflix original does play in the theater. So something like Marriage Story, Dolomite Is My Name, Irishman, they're all going to be Oscar eligible. They will play in theaters. They will have the qualifying run and they could compete just like any movie from Sony Pictures Classics or Fox Searchlight. There are other movies from Netflix that just simply go on the platform and do not have any qualifying run. It's up to Netflix to decide what those titles are and they just make the final call there. And if they don't do a theater run, I imagine they can probably technically compete in TV movie at the Emmys like Black Mirror does. Yeah. So there's a a adaptation of American Son coming to Netflix, the Broadway play with Carrie Russell. No, Carrie Washington. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Sorry. Carrie Washington. (laughs) One of the uh, Emmy nominated Carries. Yes. Carrie Washington is starring in the film adaptation of American Son. That is going to be a Netflix movie that only plays on the platform. It's not going to be in any theaters. So therefore, you could see next year at the Emmys, Carrie Washington getting a nomination, perhaps for Best Actress, that being nominated for TV movie, but it won't be anywhere near Oscars just because it doesn't qualify. All right. This one comes from Carson Timmer. If you could move one movie from earlier in the year to release during award season to possibly get more awards buzz... Which would you choose and which festival would you enter it into? Us. Yep. I don't, I guess TIFF, if I had to pick a festival for that to play at in my, in this hypothetical universe, but I would actually put it like AFI or maybe a secret screening at NIF. That's fair. Uh, I'd say The Farewell, which is doing pretty well in maintaining its buzz, I will say. Oh, yeah. It's making money, but I'm just a little bit worried that, you know, in four or five months, uh, we'll be more excited about the newer, shinier things. But, I mean, that movie deserves, in my mind, at least three or four Oscar nominations at this point. Yeah, I mean, my favorite movie of the year is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which obviously isn't suffering from opening in July. So, you know, I don't want to say that could be moved, but... I'll just piggyback on what Cody was saying there with the farewell. And I will say Booksmart. And I would have had it released at TIFF. Mm. If it had released at TIFF, it still probably wouldn't have opened until the spring. It probably would have gone in there with no distributor, played through the roof, and then Annapurna or A24, one of those studios, would have come in and said, oh, this is going to be a great spring release. <laughs> Not Annapurna anymore. Oh, God, you guys are you guys are such such optimists. <laughs> Put on your thinking caps here, people. Let's look into the future and let's see how good we are at predicting what could possibly happen. Oh. <laughs> this one comes from Scott Kernan. 
Which films this year do you believe could miss out on the guilds this year, but based on passion vote, get into best picture? So examples include Phantom Thread, Room, Amour. I like this question. This is literally like, you know, there's no basis for this. It's yeah, just no, make a no prediction. Way to this question. Yeah, yeah I, <laughs> That's good because I, I got an answer. Yeah. A hidden life. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, well, I, I guess, like, what are are we talking about just best picture or are we talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 we're talking about all. a film that misses the necessary guilds. We think that based on that, oh, it doesn't have this nomination, doesn't have this nomination. There's a chance it may not make it in, but it does make it in. So it probably oh, would okay. have to be then, a yeah, December, that, uh, December release, right? Because part of the reason that, like, Phantom Thread missed out is because it was kind of a later release for mm-hmm. the most part. Sure. Okay. So you could say something like that. Sure. I'm with Michael, and I, I would agree that Hidden Life could very easily fall into that category. Yeah. I'm going to go with Little sense. Women, uh, just based I was on the release. going to say the same thing. Yeah, yeah, just based on the release date. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, know what, you know what I would really like it to happen to? What? Um, and you're going to think I'm, you're all going to think I'm crazy, but. Um, if you say Bombshell. No, Rise of Skywalker. Oh, that is crazy. That's even crazier than me saying Avengers Endgame. Maybe the Critics' <laughs> Choice Awards will change their rules. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Remember that? Oh, my, oh my God. That's so ridiculous. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. That was ridiculous. One nominee, Best uh, Picture, uh, Critics' <laughs> Choice Awards. But I would really like, I think, just think it would be really, really fitting for the first Star Wars film and the last of the like Skywalker story, I guess, because who knows what they're doing in the future um, being that it's Disney now, like that would be just really, really fitting and poetic. And I would really love that. I actually think that's a good answer, Dan, because they're not going to have any interest in doing any sort of screenings just for globes or whatever. So it will really will rely on uh, like Oscar voting to get any sort of awards. Uh you know what that 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 you know that logic actually holds up pretty good and i hope you're right <laughs> uh, i thank you cody <laughs> all right um i think we have one last question here yeah we do one last question and then we can uh play a little game and call it a day isaiah washington do you guys have a no guts no glory awards prediction for any category this year so far uh Listen, guys, it is a few days before the festivals kick in and we actually know about these contenders. You are in a position right now where you can say whatever you want. And guess what? Nobody can really say it. You're probably wrong right now. I got mine. I got mine. I am going to be sticking on for probably the entire season because I think she's remarkable in the film. But Zhao Shuzhen in The Farewell, I really hope she can at the very least pop up at the very end, but I'm hoping she can slip into the award season the whole time. I'm with you on that, Cody. That would be nice. Yeah. I I have two. One that I mentioned already, and that's Jeffrey Wright and the Goldfinch. And the other is I'm going to be beating this drum from here to Kingdom Come if I have to, um, but Lupita Nyong'o in Us. That's going to be hard. Yeah. It's going to be hard because I I feel like there is a vocal minority that are still championing in it, but it needs to be a vocal majority, and I don't feel like she has that right now. It it it's it's going to be an a ridiculous uphill battle for like every reason ever, like <laughs> the early release date, the fact that it's genre. Tony Collette couldn't get in last year. Yeah, and like every every other like she has everything working against her except that it is an ast- astonishing performance and if and it's a big if but if 
a lot of the other actress-led films that are meant to come out between now and December don't connect, I I still think it could happen. Um, but she is like the longest of long shots, but she deserves it. I mean, like, I can't believe that she has not gotten a second Oscar nomination yet. It's it's mind-boggling. I can't believe she hasn't had more live-action roles. Yeah, this is like the best thing she's had. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, well, I don't she, know what she would have been nominated for. Like, well, well, She has been very, very picky with the roles that she has chosen to play, and I think she was deserving of a nomination for uh, Queen of Cotway, which sort of came and went without any thought from anyone, but I thought it was a really good movie, and I thought she deserved consideration for that. I got laughed a, a little bit uh, online for saying this, but I'll say it publicly here because I, I will stick to this for now until proven otherwise. Um, I legitimately think Terrence Malick could win Best Director. No, oh, absolutely. But there were like there was a lot of people. I mean, the movie doesn't have the highest Rotten Tomato score right now. It's got like a 74 or something like that. And obviously it's going to be screening again. So maybe it might go up. Maybe it might go down. I don't know. But like he is the kind of person that I could see that branch obviously nominating and i could see them doing something like a like a like a i, I don't I, I don't like making this comparison but it was just, it's just the first one that came to my mind like a roman polanski we should have done this a long time ago here you go it's over it's done we can move on you know what i mean like yeah i, I don't know it, it's just like it's just going through my mind a lot and i and i look at the director lineup right now and i'm like i can't see them giving it to bomb back I can't see them giving it to Scorsese again. I can't see them giving it to Mendez again. So, like, that field really needs to be shaken up with something fresh and something needs to come out of nowhere or of, like, the, uh, you know, old guard directors that it's, like, a career award. Uh, he's someone that really, like, fits the bill for me. So, I mean, obviously, there's Destin uh, Daniel Crenton, who's a newer director who could win, like, in a Damien Chazelle situation. So that could happen. I have two no guts, no glory predictions. One of them for a nomination, one of them for a win. Okay. For a nomination, I say Alan Alda gets in for supporting actor in Marriage Story. Yeah, I saw you put I him think, in your predictions. Mm. Yeah. Beloved uh, apparently has not. You're a also huge predicting role. Marriage Story to pull a Silver Linings playbook in American Hustle uh, with that nomination, then too. Yeah, I'd have it in for uh, all four acting categories. Mm -hmm. So that would be really neat to see. He's beloved. Everyone loves Alan Alda. He's been putting in the work for decades, uh, has one nomination for The Aviator. And, you know, obviously he announced that he had Parkinson's last year, but he's still incredibly active. Hosts a podcast about science and communication, which is really great. He's just such a lovable guy. And I think people want to be able to you know, give him another Oscar nomination. So that's what I'm predicting, especially with the Netflix bump. And speaking of the Netflix bump, I know, Matt, you were just talking about director. I think Marty's going to win number two. I mean, if we're going to predict wins, um, I did this last year with like Infinity War where I held on to that all freaking year long <laughs> until the last minute and I switched to first man. But one that I will hold on to as of now before everything starts uh, pertains to the Irishman is I think the Irishman will win makeup and visual effects. Mm -hmm. Win. I think it's going to win votes too. Mm. I, I can't say Marty. I just can't say Marty yet. I want to. I think Marty's going to get his second at some point while he's still working. And this one is like a reunion of the old gang. It's vintage Scorsese, at least from the trailer. That's what it seems. Mm. So it seems like a time yeah. to reward. 
yeah. you know, what he's best known for instead of, you know, mm. the next Hugo or whatever. Yeah. And with the themes that that film is apparently going to be exploring, that feels fitting. I currently have him predicted too. So I, <clears throat> excuse me, I feel like I don't have any full, like, no guts, no go. Like, all of mine are things that, like, you guys are saying that I feel like are entirely valid and, like, I could see happening. I don't know. I don't feel. I think also my usually my no guts predictions are like things that I've seen that I'm really passionate about, which I guess and I'm not dumb enough to predict loose in anything anymore. So I don't know mm. what that would be. You know what? Here's a good one. Uh, sight unseen, something that we're not really talking about, but could potentially happen as no guts, no glory. I mean, feel free if anyone um, I don't know. I, I don't think he's in many of our lineups anymore. But Jonathan Price getting a first nomination for the two popes. Oh, absolutely. I am I am very excited to see which one they decide to push as lead versus supporting for the two. Uh, it's going to be him as lead and uh, Anthony Hopkins is supporting. Yeah, that's been confirmed. Oh, they have? Uh, yeah, because it's about the transition. It's about... Right, I know. This. But in that case, I'm interested to see if they actually, like, if he if Hopkins actually is supporting or if they're really co-leads. But that's how they're being campaigned. One lead, one supporting. That's what uh, I know. But we all know that that's usually bullshit. <laughs> all right. Let's take us home uh, really quickly. Um, I do want to make a plug uh, this week for um, a great card game that's coming out on August 27th. That's two days from now called Cinephile. Uh, Cinephile game, Cinephile card game. Uh, I think they're good, just called Cinephile right now. Uh, but it's a game that you can purchase where you get a box. Uh, there is an actor. Uh, written on a card and then there's a movie that they star in and it's a lot of fun there's like multiple games you could play with it i believe there's like five or six or so that you're that you can play with these cards one of the games uh that you can play with it though uh, is like you know you can play like one like an inglorious bastards where you hold the card up to your head and then the person has to without naming the actor or the film that's written on the card they have to help the person guess who it is or the film and there, there's a lot of like really fun stuff like that you can do. There's like six degrees of connecting people. And I just really had a blast with this playing with my roommate. And I and I definitely encourage anyone that has uh, friends that are also cinephiles. Uh, this is like a really, really fun party game that you can definitely look into. So what I wanted to do just really quickly here is play just one game uh, and just have a little bit of fun before we leave. So essentially what I'm doing is I am picking a card mm-hmm. from the pile here. And essentially what I'm going to do is I'm going to say the actor in the film that is written on the card. All right. Now, what's going to happen is uh, we'll go in. We'll, we'll go in order. We'll go. We'll go like this. We'll go Casey, Cody, Dan, Michael. Okay. okay. Casey, Cody, Dan, Michael. Everyone got that? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. All right. So if I basically pull the card and I say, if I say Rinko Kikuchi from Pacific Rim, now what Cody is going to have, I'm sorry, no. Casey's going to have the decision of doing is she's going to have the decision to either name, okay, you ready for this? Either another movie starring Rinko uh, Kikuchi or another actor from Pacific Rim. So Casey, which one uh, would you choose? I would say Charlie Hunnam. He's in that movie, right? He's he in is. Pacific Rim. Okay. okay. So, so, now, <laughs> so now you've chosen Charlie Hunnam. So now, Cody, what you need to do, without saying Pacific Rim or Rinko Kikuchi, you have to say a movie that stars Charlie Hunnam. And then the next person, Dan, has to now yeah. name a uh, star. You, you see what I'm saying here? Yep. You guys get it? Yes. Wait, I would say then a movie or an actor? actor? Yeah, I thought I would say an actor. That it, was it al- it, I'm sorry, it alternates. Okay. All right, okay. 
So movie, actor, movie, actor, movie, actor. And the okay. idea is this. If you get stumped, you're out. Sounds like fun. So, And, and I'm only going to give you guys five seconds to reply. So you better be like lightning fast on your feet here. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. Do it. So I'm going to pick a new card, though. And for you, Matt, for this, when you're starting it, you're going to say both the actor and the movie. Yeah, and then whoever okay. goes next, you just you 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 so run with pick. either one. Okay. Okay. You guys ready? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Christian Bale, American Psycho. Reese Witherspoon. Election. Matthew Broderick. The producers. Nathan Lane. The Lion King. Five seconds. Uh, Rowan Atkinson. <laughs> no, you're out, bro. You're out, buddy. <laughs> My brain was just screaming Matthew Broderick, and we just said, I know. <laughs> Wait, can you say someone that's already been said before? No, you can't. Okay. That's the whole idea. Bye. So, so, all right, so Cody's out. So um, I'll start us off again. Uh, so we have Casey, Dan, Michael. God. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey, Days and Confused. Mila Jokovic. <laughs> Uh, ultraviolet. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know why my brain went to her. I was like, <laughs> I don't know why that, that was, was not first. Michael's purview <laughs> at all. Because <laughs> my brain was like Matthew McConaughey, and then I was like, I don't remember other people's names, but. <laughs> all right. Uma Thurman, Kill Bill, Volume Two. David Carradine. Oh. God. Out. I don't know what other movies. Who <laughs> was in volume one, and I'm like, I don't think they're in volume two. So I was like, but, uh, so there's nobody else in volume two. There, there, there might have been a technicality there where I would have had to have been like, it's one movie. You can't do that. <laughs> Can this just be the practice round? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So it's Casey and I? Yep. Oh, All right. Shit. Casey? Okay. <sighs> Leonardo DiCaprio, Man in the Iron Mask. Sharon Stone. Casino. Uh, Robert De Niro. Goodfellas. Joe Pesci. Home Alone. Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> Richie Rich. Oh, God. Richie Rich. Got you. <laughs> I was well, hoping you could say my girl, and round. then that would... Like, uh. <laughs> What's so funny about it is um, you got to choose like the most obscure um, yep. if you really want to knock somebody out like that. I mean, th look at me. Hey, Hello. I did it. Which is why I like putting the timer aspect on it, though, because it forces you to go with the obvious choice right away. So you can just be like, oh, OK, move on to the next person, <laughs> you know, or you just go for the weirdest one and then everyone's lost. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> that, that is one way to do it. Uh, you guys want to go one more time? Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. One more time. All right, here we go. I want to redeem myself. <laughs> Same order? Uh, yes. Uh, okay. Robert De Niro, The King of Comedy. Jerry Lewis. Uh, the Night Professor. <laughs> oh, oh. What's her name? Oh, God out. damn it. We'll never uh, find out. <laughs> nice try, Dan. Do you remember who it was? No. <laughs> <laughs> I keep remembering that I could put like, a movie that Robert De Niro is also in. I keep forgetting that I could do that. And instead, I'm just like, who else is in King of Comedy? 
And you can't name directors. Like they have to be actors in the movie. Yeah, it has to be an actor or the or um. If, it depends on what it alternates on your turn as, but actor or the movie. Yeah. Um. All right. Kate Blanchett, Carol. Rooney Mara. Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Oh shit! I'm still in this game. <laughs> Emma, right? Wait, Michael's out, right? No, Michael's not out. I was out. Wait, I, I thought Dan goes next. I'm last. Dan's out. Dan's out. Oh, Dan's out. Oh, Daniel Craig. Uh, the Skyfall. Javier Bardem. No Country for Old Men. Josh Brolin. Goonies. Oh my God. Oh no. Out. <laughs> Sean Astin, Casey. Sean Astin. <laughs> I know. All right. So it's me, Cody, me. and Michael. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Great. So now nice. I, I'm the one that goes. I, I yeah. The, like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sigourney <laughs> Weaver and Aliens. Working Girl. Harrison Ford. Star Wars. Mark Hamill. <laughs> A New Hope. <laughs> that's Star that's Star Wars. Wars. Hey, uh, <laughs> no, no, no. No, Michael's out. Michael's out. <laughs> you could have been talking about Empire Strikes Back for all I knew. <laughs> all right. Ready, Cody? No. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Julia Moore, Magnolia. The End of the Affair. Oh, fuck me. I haven't seen that. Ah, oh, damn it. Oh. <laughs> I'm out. Oh, I, I haven't seen that. Is that good? <laughs> Ray Fines. It's, it's Ray fine. Fine. I can't believe I own Next Best Picture now. Howdy's <laughs> <laughs> Best Picture. Third God. Time's a Charm. I, I'm like Googling the end of the affair now. Like, when did this come out? 1999, Neil Jordan. How come I haven't seen this? Her second nomination. <laughs> Why have I not guys? seen this? You guys, after you said whoever it was that said Josh Brolin was in Goonies, I was like, Josh Brolin was in Goonies? So I go to Google and type in Josh Brolin, and the first thing that comes up is Josh Brolin Goonies. Yep. He's a bully, I think. Yeah. I didn't know that he was in Goonies, but for some reason my brain kept, like, going to people that are in The Lost Boys, and I was like, I don't think those. I was like, Casey, stop. (laughs) It's like, Google, why are you listening in on my conversation? Goonies is actually his uh, debut. That makes sense. First movie he ever made. Mm Mm-hmm. This really made me realize how little Mark Hamill has done outside of Star Wars. I would have said Kingsman, and then I really would have stumped Michael. <laughs> no, that has a big cast. I could have done that. Mm. Yeah. Hamill, I probably would have done Child's Play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, you know what? If I really wanted to screw with him, I would have been like Briggs, Brigsby Bear. Oh, I would have said Kyle Mooney. <laughs> oh, <laughs> damn it. You had, okay, you did know screwed. that. <laughs> yeah, anyway, bottom line is that this game is a lot of fun, as I said before. Um, if you have any friends that are cinephiles that you want to be able to play this game with or as um, I've been doing with the MVP team we've just been playing over the phone and over social media (laughs) Uh, definitely feel free to check it out it comes out on August 27th head on over to their Twitter handle at cinephilegame cinephilegame.com and you can order the 150 card deck and find multiple ways to play alrighty let's get on out of here Michael where can they find you on the internet you can find me on Twitter at mschwartz95 Casey? You can find me on Twitter at Casey Lee Clark. Cody? I'm everywhere at Cody Monster 91 Listen to my horror movie podcast, Halloweeners. You can find us at Halloweeners Pod. And Dan Bayer. You can find me on Twitter, having all things TIFF at Dance the Dan on film. And also a shout out to, to Beatrice uh, Loiza, who is also going to be at TIFF this year as well. So be sure to follow both her and Dan for all of your Toronto Film Festival coverage. You can find me at Next Best Picture. I will be in the mountains of Telluride this year. 
uh, over the course of this weekend. I'm hoping it doesn't physically kill me, but I am very, <laughs> very excited nonetheless. Um, guys, this is the most re- remarkable time of the year. It is here. I don't know if there will be an episode next week. Um, I'm going to have to play it by ear and see how things go. It also depends, too, on how much sleep I want to have in my life. <laughs> so we'll have to wait and see. Um, uh, but I am definitely intending to give everyone a, an update on what's going on over at Telluride. So be on the lookout for that. Um, until next time, you have been listening to the Next Best Picture Podcast, episode 157. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. Write us a review. Rate us five stars. We'd love it when you rate us five stars. And head on over to Patreon, where for $1 minimum a month, you can get some exclusive podcast coverage from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always. And we shall see you all next time. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death of a Film Star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs.